God is with us. Isn't that right? Say this with me. Say, I ain't scared of the devil in the name of Jesus. Say, I ain't scared of the devil in the name of Jesus. I rebuke a spirit of fear and I command it to go in Jesus' name. I have victory in every area of my life. Hallelujah. See, now you're learning to talk country talk. That's good right there. When you ain't scared, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I ain't scared. We're not scared of the devil, of what he's trying to do. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, if you go back and read later, in, in Job, especially the first three chapters, you'll find out that what happened in Job's life and the way the enemy got in, the Bible says the things that he greatly feared came upon him. So if the enemy can get you in fear, then that's faith in reverse. Instead of believing for things to leave you, you're actually believing for things to come to you. Is that Mr. Walker back there? Hallelujah. Good to see you. Hallelujah, I guess the juice is flowing or something. <laughs> it's supposed to, amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. God is with us. But if you look at Job's life, you'll find out that the things that he greatly feared, you know, where his children were destroyed, he lost everything he had, and, uh, and then God restored it back to him. The book of Job, if you read through it, it only lasted nine months. Somebody said, I'm just old Job. You know, I don't have a thing. Well, if you're going to be like Job, God restored back. He was one of the wealthiest men on the planet, lost it all, and God doubled it up and gave it back to him. So you better come double or nothing tomorrow. I'm telling you, you better come double or nothing. Don't come scared. You come with faith in God. Because we live in supernatural times that declares and actually requires supernatural ways. Thank God for it. And it says in the book of Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So you just tell your mind it's sound in the name of Jesus. Don't believe that you're crazy. Don't believe you're crazy. I like what Papa Hagen taught us all. He said, if you'll just act like you got good sense, you'll fool most folks. (laughs) The problem arises when we don't act like we got good sense. So just act like you got good sense and folks won't know it. Amen? So you got a sound mind. But we're not going to be afraid of the devil. We're not going to be afraid of the enemy. We're going to stand on the anointing and power of God. And we're going to come out on top Every single time. I wasn't going this way. I had no plans to go this way, but turn back to the book of Job. Is that all right? Or the book of Job. If you need a job, J-O-B, job, isn't that right? (laughs) If you need a job, here you go. So where is Job at in the Bible? Does anybody know? (laughs) He's got revelation. He said, it's in the Old Testament, he said. 
the book of Job. In Job chapter 1, verse number 1, we'll start right there in just a moment. We'll start right here. He said in Job chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Oz. <laughs> Woo! I'm hitting on all the cylinders tonight, I can tell you. There was a man in the land of Oz. It's in here. It's... Well, I, I was talking to these Greek folks today or something, and they leave letters. They put letters in words, but they don't pronounce them. And I said, what in the world you put them in there for? Isn't that right? I mean, just wasting letters. We only have 26 letters, isn't that right? Why waste them? They put words in there and said it's silent. Well, why put the doggone thing in there? But they didn't let me write the books, you know. But there was a man in the land of Oz or Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God, reverenced God, obeyed God, and done what God said, and eschewed evil. In other words, he walked with God to the best of his ability. Isn't that right? And it says here, notice he was perfect, he was upright, one that feared God, one that eschewed God, or eschewed evil, stayed away from it. And in other words, he was doing his best to do what was right for God. And I, I know that God saw that. And verse 2 says, and, and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. It says, his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. The greatest, the most prosperous man of the East. Isn't that what it says? Why was he that way? Remember, I told you to take note in verse 1. It says here, Job, that man, was perfect, he was upright, one that feared, reverenced, obeyed God, and which means he obeyed the word, and eschewed evil. In other words, he walked with God, and if you walk with God, he's going to bring you up, he's not going to put you down. He's always going to lift you up if you walk with him. And he said here in the latter part of verse 3 again, he said, so that this man, Job, was the greatest of all the men of the east. It says, and his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. So what happened is Job's sons and then his daughters went to eat and drink with them. Verse 5 and said, it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. And he rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. He offered burnt offerings for every one of his children. Why? For Job did what? He said something from his mouth. And he said this. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And notice this. This did Job just one time and forgot about it. No. 
That's not what it says. He said, this did Job continually. Scared prayers never work. Job was praying for his children out of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Instead of believing that they were going to walk with God and obey God, he feared that they had cursed God. He had taught them better than that. So who was putting that idea into his mind? You know it was the enemy, because we, we find out, you know, if you read through the book of Job. But here he is, and he's praying prayers for his all his sons and his daughters because he thought to, to try to get forgiveness for them because he thought that they had cursed God in their hearts. They had turned away from God. But nowhere did it say that they had turned away from God. He just started believing that. And he didn't do that just one time. He did it over and over and over because the word continually is there. Isn't that right? So all the time that he was praying out doubt and unbelief and speaking negative things over his children and speaking fear over his children, he did not realize it, but he was giving the devil permission to do what he was saying. Watch what you say over your life. Watch what you say over your children. Watch what you say over your church. Watch what you say over your community. Watch what you say over your mule. Watch what you say over your cow. Watch what you say over your business. Watch what you say over your vines. Watch what you say to the dirt in your yard. Watch what you say to the tree. Watch what you say to your garden. Spray that garden with the word of God. Amen. Spray it. Say the right thing. Don't curse anything. Predict its future in prosperity. Job, in prayer, doing the right thing, but the wrong way. In other words, he's saying some things. He's believing, he's believing for things, but he's believing negative things. So his prayers are working in reverse. Instead of helping his children, he's actually hurting his children because he believes they have cursed God in their hearts. Isn't that what the Bible says? It says right here. And he did this not one just one time because you told me, you caught me on it, but he did this continually. Isn't that right? And guess what happened? Can we just read on down something? Uh, is it all right? You ain't going to pass out or nothing. We're going we to all make it. We're going to make it. Don't make me go back to Genesis now. We, we, we can start there and come up to Job. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The devil's always trying to mess things up. But remember, I ain't scared. And I'm not going to pray in doubt and unbelief. And I'm not going to believe that things are going to work out wrong. I believe it's going to work out right. And I believe that God's on my side. I believe that God's working with my son, my children. God's working in our ministry. God's working in our family. God's working in every way. And it's going to turn out all right. It's not going to turn out bad. And I'm not going to offer sacrifice, you know, the prayers, to God in doubt and unbelief. And you're not either. I said you're not either. Because you told me that you ain't scared. That's good country talk for city folks. 
So no more praying, doubting, and belief. Don't make me come over there and break something at your house. I'm just telling you the truth about it. Get out of that mully grub. Get out of that down and out attitude because I'm telling you, there's some people here tonight that's got a down and out attitude about their future, about their life, about their circumstance, about their situation, and you're thinking that God is doing it to you. No, He's not doing it to you. Stinking thinking does it to you. Thank you for getting excited. Nobody's running around tonight. I mean, you... I thought you might be running the chair tops, amen, but it's the truth. It's time to pull ourselves up and decide that God is who he said he is. He's El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough, not just enough. And you need to walk around your house with your hands raised, calling out to El Shaddai, not El Chipo, and tell him how big he is. Glorify him, magnify him, and praise his name. Said, Brother Randy, my house looks like it's a falling apart. Well, praise God in it. Amen. Said, my bank account, I don't even have one. I can't even see the bottom of the barrel. Praise God, because God will work it out for you said he's attacked me with a lumbago, my bago, feels like a Winnebago hit me. Praise God. I'm telling you, glorify God because he is El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. And I'm telling you, he'll show up on the scene if you begin to glorify him and magnify him and praise his name, he's going to show up. And when he shows up, I'll guarantee he's going to cause you to stand up. And when you stand up, you're going to stand up in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and you're going to start breaking some things. My God, hallelujah. I feel like breaking something, but I won't, I won't, I won't. <laughs> said we not moved by feelings but they sure do help amen <laughs> woo wee woo <laughs> hallelujah I, I tell you I sense the victory I'm telling you I, if you're in the mother grubs in South Dayton or wherever you at only in I've never seen in but anyway if you're in the mother grubs get out of them it's time to realize, regardless of where you live, the population here is 600 and tell me. 20. 20. He better call, he better, that's a word from 620. 620, because he just checked for me. Sometimes when you live where there's 620, 620 folks can get down and out. Oh, we're never going to have anything. Our little town, you know, you ain't going to never prosper. You know, around here, this region, you're not going to do nothing. Listen, that is a bunch of bonka, junk, and hogwash. It's hogwash. He is El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. And I'm here to tell you, God wants to do big things right here. He wants to do them at your house. He wants to do them in your pocketbook. He wants to do them in your business. And I'm telling you, God is still God. I don't care what the devil said. I don't care what the president said. And I'm not knocking him, by the way. I'm telling you, God is bigger than the president. And it's already decreed and declared that it belongs to us. Woo! 
And I'll tell you this, there's going to be some church breaking out of some walls. There's going to do it. I'm telling you, there's going to be some walls. Walls. For Donia, Reverend Michael, they baptized that church with the Holy Ghost and fire. I mean, my God. I mean, hallelujah. He's the first church that I know that took it literal. My God, hallelujah. He sent me a text. They had just got back from a holiday, no day, in between the day and Mickey Way. But anyway, they got back. He sent me a text of this thing smoking. It said, praise God, hallelujah. He lost his doggone mind. He lost his mind. He just believed that God's going to show up and do something big. I'm telling you, God is doing something big. God's not burning churches down. He's rebuilding them, overhauling them. I'm here to tell you. And I believe there's going to be some times right around here there's going to be some walls knocked out. Listen, in South Dayton, Pastor Mike, why can't we have the biggest doggone building in the city? By God, why can't we do it? Why can't we do it in the city? Population 630 shouldn't be hard or 20. I mean, go for it. The biggest thing going is the church. The best thing that's going is the church. But if you get in fear, if you get in doubt and unbelief, if you get down in the mully grubs, y'all know what mully grubs are? That's, that's country talk for city folks. Or if you get the feeling lower down than a snake's belly in the wagon's rut, just forget all that mess and decide I'm going on with God. He is El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. He is bigger than what you have seen. He is bigger than what you have understood. He is bigger than what you've got revelation of. And he's wanting you to step out and trust him. He's wanting you to believe him. He's wanting you to grab a hold to the horns of the altars. My daddy used to say, and don't let go. I mean, trust God, believe God. And if you have to, pull heaven down to earth. <laughs> I remember back in around, uh, let me see, what is that, 87, 88, 1988. I was out in Springfield, Missouri. I got up, I was headed way out west, driving a vehicle, coming from Georgia in a series of meetings. And I'd get up one, early one morning to get on the road, you know, to go on further to my destination. And I was just worshiping and praising God, glorifying God, magnifying Him, going across Interstate 44. You know where Interstate 44 is? Anybody ever been out of New York? <laughs> I'm not belittling them. I mean, just you know, I was that way too, but there. Interstate 44, it goes up to St. Louis and then it goes down through Tulsa and all down around yonder by Texas, you know what I mean? But anyway, I was on Interstate 44, just worshiping the Lord, and suddenly the word of the Lord came unto me in that car. I wasn't thinking about it, wasn't meditating on it. Suddenly I heard these words, heaven is moving closer to earth. I said, do what? Heaven is moving closer to earth. Well, being brought up under Dad Hagen, Dr. Kennedy Hagen, I, I, you know, I'm a stickler for the word like you are. I said, I got to have chapter and verse for it. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. 
He said, heaven is moving closer to earth. I said, where is it at in the Bible? He said, you read it all the time. I said, I do? What is it? He said, I, John, saw that heavenly city, that new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. He said, heaven is moving closer to earth. Well, I'm here to tell you, we can have heaven on earth. We don't have to wait till the sweet by and by. It belongs to us now. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for his word. You don't ag me on now, but we got to get back to Job. Is that all right? So Satan came around. He always tries to show up. <clears throat> and he said to God, the Lord, you've considered your servant Job and so on and so forth. And, uh, and he said, you put forth your hand and he will curse you. I'm just going down through here for the sake of time. And verse 12, and this is what throws some people. It says, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he had hath is in thine power only upon himself, but not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth in the presence of the Lord. Now a lot of people think that that was God giving Satan authority over Job. No, he already had it because Adam gave it to him. God's just making a statement. He wouldn't give Job permission to go and tear up Job. And it says, and there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. You have slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. In other words, things are working out wrong. It says, verse 16, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven. See, they're blaming on God. And had burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was also yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 18, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and their daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder's brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Notice, all these bad things happen. Notice this. But the only way they could happen is because, first of all, Job was walking in fear. Fear opens the door to the devil. He had thought that his daughters and sons had cursed God. So he's praying for them out of the fear that he believed that they had. And so this fear, he was developed in it. Why? Highly developed in it because this he did continually. You know, if you just have a thought of fear or something, you know, just going to happen to you, that don't mean that you're doing it continually because you rebuke it. But it said, this did Job, how often? Continually. So he was highly developed in fear. And his prayers were not working, and that's what opened the door to the enemy. And basically, he lost everything he's had, eventually his wife, children, everything here. We see that he lost it. But why did he lose it? Because he opened the door to the devil. 
if you get to fearing, doubting, that God cannot help you in your situation or think that you've got to stay in your situation in bad circumstances and you fear and doubt and you say, this is my lot in life, then that's where you're going to be. If you pray prayers of fear, then you're actually working in reverse based on what God wants to do in your life. You don't pray in fear, you pray in faith. But Job prayed in fear, not in faith. said, how do you know? I thought you was going to ask me. That's why Mr. Walker come tonight. He wanted to ask me this question, and now we're going to answer it. And the question he wanted to ask me is, are you sure that Job was in fear? And some of you wanted to ask me that question too. Are you sure that he was in fear? Well, can we accept Job's own personal testimony? Turn to Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. Why did all those bad things happen? Because he believed that they were going to happen. He believed that they were going to happen. He believed it continually. He feared those bad things continually. Continually. How do you know? It said in chapter 1, this he did continually. So if he was in fear about his own children, you know he was in fear about everything else. It's implied, even though it doesn't say it directly, because if he was praying in fear, doubting and belief, and thinking bad things were going to happen to his children, which it did, then he was in fear about everything else. Now that he was wrong in, in, in praying in reverse. It's not going to work. Now, he wakes up at this process in Job chapter 3, and he gives this testimony. Job 3, verse 25. This is his testimony. He said, For the thing which I what? Greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. There it is, right there. Pastor Mike said, there it is. That's the revelation. The thing which I greatly feared has what? Come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. So he gives the confession here. He tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth that he's been in fear all this time. And that's what opened the door to it. Whatever you fear, if you fear something, it's going to come to you. You're going to attract them to you like a magnet attracts metal. That's why you want to stay in faith, not in fear. I'm not going to have enough. I'm, I'm not going to be healed. I'm not going to get any better. This is my lot in life. I'll never go anywhere else. I'll, I'll never get a better job. I'll never build a bigger church. Don't, I'm, I'm about to run the chairs. Now, I know you might not be, but, but if you get into that attitude, if you get into that mindset, you're going to attract those things to you. Right? Fear is faith in reverse, so to speak. You're believing something, but you're believing the wrong thing. Don't believe the wrong thing. Believe the right thing. Believe that God's word is true. And that God is El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. 
no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're up against, it don't matter if they got you standing against the wall like they do at the circus. And they got the man out there blindfolded. And he's got them sharp knives. And they got you tied out and your head up and your eyes wide open because you're not blindfolded. And he starts throwing them knives. And you get to squinching, you know. Even though you may be squinching, just say, praise God. He's my deliverer. He's on my side. He's going to take care of me. So if you feel like the person at the circus is getting the knife thrown at them, praise God. <clears throat> Don't get in fear. Don't flinch and break a loose. Because if you break a loose from where they got you tied down, that man throwing that knife or that blindfold on don't know you come untied. And he might stick you. But if you'll trust in God and don't get in fear, I'll guarantee you he's going to put you over and heaven will be near. It'll hover around your house. It'll hover around your family. It'll hover around your vehicle. It'll hover around your city. It'll hover around your pocketbook. Woo-wee! May even hover around your oil wells and your gas wells and your vineyards and your grape juice. My God, it'll hover around everything. It just God will be there. I'm telling you, God will be there. But if you get to in fear and doubt and unbelief, you know who's going to show up? The devil. Whatever you feared, the thing he said, the thing that I greatly feared is coming to me. Greatly feared. No, that means he was highly developed in it. It wasn't just because he had a thought of doubt. You know, all of us have, you know, I, if doubt would come, but we rebuke it, we resist it in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? Thank God for it. So we see what got Job in trouble was he was believing the wrong thing. Isn't that right? He was believing for bad things to happen instead of believing for good things to happen. said, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Isn't that right? Did you see it in Job chapter 3? I saw it too. Somewhere or another, I'm turning to in the Bible... So you can start turning there. I believe it's 2 Timothy. Let's just turn on back there. We're just speaking by the Holy Ghost tonight, okay? I said, when did you know you was going to share this? Well, it started right there. And then when I got up here, it was, this is it. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Can I prophesy to you? I'm going to prophesy to you now. <laughs> There's a breakthrough that belongs to this region. I saw it at, at Pastor Tim's. Remember that service over there? Some of you were there. And I saw them waves. And I saw that it was going to come. But in this, too, there's going to be a breakthrough, not just for churches, even though churches are, we are the church, you know, not in the building. But it's a breakthrough that belongs to you. But if you don't watch it, the devil will talk you out of it. He'll talk you out of it. How? By getting you into doubting it. Wonder how it's going to work out. God wants to bring you up. I'm talking about high up. I can see it. 
He wants to bring you up from where you're at. Spiritually, physically, materially, financially, even educationally. You know, he can increase your educational ability. He certainly can. When Dad Hagen, when Dad Hagen was uh, uh, born again and the Spirit of God came into him, he immediately, his mentality changed. And he had uh, basically what some would call a photographic memory in mind. He could read a chapter out of the book and he had not been a good student prior to getting born again. He could read a chapter out of the book. Miss Natalie, it might work for us too. Let me tell you about, on myself. Me and uh, what's his name that goes to China? Gary Crow. We was at Raymond one time sitting in the service. Y'all remember about this other one though. Y'all remember where I was at? Don't get lost. Anyway, y'all got to bring me back there. We was at this service and there was a missionary that lived in a foreign country. He was in America, but he lived in a foreign country. And he needed to learn to speak the language because he had to speak to interpreters and, and you're kind of limited, you know what I mean? And of course, a lot of preachers have done that. You know, you get used to it. And a lot of missionaries still do that. But God supernaturally gave him the ability to speak the language, uh, the native language of the country that he was in. It just supernaturally came upon him and he opened his mouth and he was speaking their language. He understood it. Read it, write it, everything. It was just supernatural. Well, you know, Brother Seymour's wife, he wouldn't marry them at Azusa Street Revival. The lady he did eventually marry, she had no uh, musical skills or singing ability whatsoever, but she was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Y'all remember that? And she got up, walked up to the piano, and started playing just as beautifully as she had been to the best music school in the United States of America, and sang melodiously, and that stayed with her the rest of her life. So I tell you that, there's hope for you and I. There's even hope for Reverend Michael. I'm telling you, I'm trying to get him to sing a special. <laughs> He'll take a double dose of the Holy Ghost. But anyway, my God, he's my buddy. I can play with him, you know fun with him. But anyway, I've been trying to get him to sing a special. He might one day. So, that she was able and equipped by God. Dad Hagen could read a chapter out of a book in school. That's what I was telling you. He could read a chapter out of a book in school, close that book, and get up and recite it verbatim back to him. Now, we're believing for that, right? Yes. But, Remember Brother Gary Crowell? He, he ministers in China. Uh, what is that? Ni Hao? Ni Hao? Anybody know what Ni Hao means? Ni Hao? You know what that means? What does it mean? Hello, he's got it. I got it. I speak Chinese. My God. <laughs> One thing, anyway. He tried to teach me other things. Anyway, I'm sitting beside Brother Gary Crowell, and this missionary's up there teaching, and I mean, he, the anointing's on him. He's talking about how this came, or his supernatural ability to speak the native tongue in a country he didn't grow up in, knew nothing about, never studied it. He tried to study it, and he just made a flop and fail of it, you know. And so, at the end of his service, he said, Now, if you want me to pray for you... <coughs> to have a supernatural ability to speak the language. He's mostly talking to missionaries, you know. Uh, to speak the language, the native language of the country that you're in, stand up and I'm going to pray for you. Well, Reverend Gary Crowell was beside me. You know, he was going into China. So he popped up. And I looked at him. He said, 
you don't want to get prayed for for this? I said, yeah, I need to learn how to speak English. <laughs> I'm telling you, God can educate you. I'm telling you the truth about it. So I jumped up and said, strike that wand over me. My God, strike it. Do something here. But I'm telling you, God's a supernatural God. And ladies and gentlemen, we're coming into those days again. What started back yonder, we're coming back. And we're going to have these things happen in the church. Where these supernatural giftings and equipments are going to come on us. And it's not going to be by natural man's ability. It's going to be supernatural ability that's ordained from heaven. A lot of events happen like that. And these moves and these moves and meetings like that. And I'm telling you, it belongs to us. But we have to believe that he's El Shaddai. He's big enough to do these things. You know, the mind, the human mind wants to think, well, is that possible? No, we don't want to think, is that possible? All things are possible to him that believeth. Isn't that right? All things are possible. So, I believe it's working. Because <laughs> I make up words. I, I do. I leave letters out and everything. Just Webster did. I mean, he said it's silent. I just leave it out. That's all I do. I don't waste it. We got 26 letters in the alphabet. I mean, why waste the letters? You know, you put them in these doggone words and, and all that kind of stuff. And they said, well, it's silent. Well, why put the dog? Ain't that the craziest thing you ever heard? Especially for somebody like me trying to pronounce it, gyro, gyro, G-R-Y-O. How do you pronounce that? What? Euro, euro. He said gyro. I got it right. <laughs> My God, what are them people doing? What's wrong with these people? I know that thing is gyro. They call it Euro. They said it's silent. Well, leave the doggone thing out. <laughs> they try to trick you. That's what they do. But God is bigger than the dictionary. God will give you supernatural abilities. God will help you in every area of your life. So you can depend on His ability. And I know God has done that for me, and I know that He's done it for you. I'll be thinking through a thing, you know, trying to figure out something. Uh, building some of our hangars, different things like that, airplane stuff, and, and, and I just, you know, get to thinking about it so deeply and just couldn't figure it out. Go to bed, you know, go to sleep, and just wake up the next morning and know exactly what to do to make it work. Go tell the mechanic. The mechanic is supposed to know, went to that highfalutin school and everything. Spent all that money. I say, look, all you got to do is do this, take that wrench and twist it like this and take your grinder and grind that thing off. It'll fit right up in there and you can turn that hole and you don't have to pull the engine to put a turbocharger on my airplane. Ain't that good? Woohoo! She thinks it's good. Amen? Because they pull the doggone engine, it's going to be another $4,000. And I like to save money. <laughs> I know God's El Shaddai. But he's not El Dumbo either. I'm telling you the truth about it. He's not dumb. And by the way, I am a Jew. <laughs> he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, but he is one which is one inwardly that is born of the Spirit of the living God. Woo! 
El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. Woo! More than enough. So you're going to come up out of that mindset. You're going to break that mindset and decide that I'm not going to stay here no more. You know what I mean? Not in this position. I'm going to believe God to bring me out. I mean, if necessary, we're going to get a come along. We're going to get a logging chain. We're going to get a four-wheel drive. We're going to get four or five tractors. I'm talking about big ones. I'm big ones. And we're going to pull you out of the doggone money grubs. We're not going to let you stay in there. Say, well, I'm stuck deep. Don't make me come down there and get you. My God, I have dug out of some holes in my lifetime. And I'm here to tell you, God wants to do supernatural things in this area. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to say it because I'm playing on the word of his church, but he wants to set it on fire. My God. <laughs> I'm telling you, he does. I just sense that. You know, Brother Finney run up across these woods, hills, and swamps and some of the greatest revivals the world has ever seen took place around these hills and hollers up across the yonder. And that residue of that anointing just needs to be stirred up. He would preach under the power and the anointing of God and people would be in trees and the power would knock them out of it. Bang! I'm here to tell you, the power is here. I sense it. I sense it down to my toenails. Woo-hoo-hoo! But the power is here. It belongs to us and no devil is going to stop it. And this anointing is going to bring everybody up. Your cork's been afloating about halfway underwater because you was whole, had too much lead on it. You ever been a fishing and you got a floating cork and you put too much lead on it and the only thing sticking out is about a quarter inch and you can't hardly see it, you know? Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's exactly what's happened to some of folks around here. You've had too much lead and your bobber's not bobbing up enough. We're going to take the doggone lead out of your britches and you're going to float now. I'm telling you the truth about it. You're going to come up and you're going to be seen. You're coming to the top. I'm telling you, you're not going to the bottom. And we're not going under. Listen, this is our time. This is our day. This is our year in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It belongs to you. And it belongs to me. But we're not going to get there with thoughts of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We're going to get there in faith. Believe God big. I'm talking about big. Dare to believe God. Stretch your faith till it hurts. Stretch your faith till you holler. Stretch your faith till you squeal. And then just throw caution to the wind. And be like the old Geico commercial pig. And get on that zip line and say, Wee! I'm telling you, God is on my side. Now I'm not... I'm not trying to compare you to a hog, but have as much sense as a Geico pig. My God, get on that thing and say, it look like it ain't going to work. And we're going. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. Leap off in faith and follow the pig down the zip line. Knock. (laughs) Woo! I'm telling you, it's ours. His anointing is with us. 
and the yoke is broken and destroyed because of the anointing that's here tonight. I'm telling you, it's broken. <laughs> it's destroyed in the name of Jesus. So you might as well get that frown off your face for I slap it off. <laughs> Forgive me, my Lord. Woo! We're going to turn that frown upside down. Amen. And we're going to smile a while. Of course, I say that jokingly, you know. I'm not going to slap anybody. But Granny used to tell us that. I'll slap that smile off your face. I'll slap that frown. Y'all remember Granny? My, I'll slap that frown off your face. You better dry it up. <laughs> and if she slapped you, you woke up in the next county, if you woke up. And you better not draw back at her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You talking about stirring up a hornet's nest. Woo-wee! Pearly Ann, Nancy Jane, Emmeline, Carter, Greer, she'd get the butter churn stick and come at you with it, chasing you. I'm telling you. She stood four foot eleven, if you know, wrote her name long ways, it was taller than she was. My God. She was powerful. She knew the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, we know the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we have a tendency to forget it. So I'm not getting on you. I'm encouraging you to do what you already know. I'm encouraging you not to lay there and say, I'm just going to die in this mess. I'm always going to be this way. No, you're not. He is El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. That's one of his names. Woohoo! <laughs> Woo! Where'd you tell me to turn to? Second Timothy. Our Second Timothy, chapter one. Thank God. Verse number something. Verse seven. The Bible says, For God hath not, positively not, absolutely not, given us the spirit of fear. So if fear comes to you, it is not from God. If doubt and unbelief comes to you, it is not from God. Because doubt and unbelief is a form of fear. But he says, he's not given us a spirit of fear, the spirit of fear. He said, but he's given us the spirit of power, you could say, of love and a sound mind. And that's what it says. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is a spirit and it will paralyze you. What Job greatly feared came upon him. Put limitations on where he could go and what he could have in his life. Job's fear limited his life. In fact, not only did it limit him, it actually took away from him. Isn't that right? It's in the Bible. And the things Job greatly feared came upon him. You know, even in the area of finances, the enemy will try to get us to fear. Can I tell you about an experience I had along those lines? <clears throat> Since you're excited about it. 
I was on my first <clears throat> ministerial trip, long distance. You know, I spoke local. <clears throat> but this trip that I was going on, I think the first ministerial trip was going to be 2,200 and something miles around trip. Glory to God. <laughs> and I'm driving a faith mobile. He <clears throat> said, what is a faith mobile? Everybody needs to drive one once in their life or twice. <laughs> Faith mobile is something you pray it will start. You pray it will get you to where you're going. And then you have to get an intercession about getting back. <clears throat> and you carry a five-gallon can of oil and a gallon jug of water. <laughs> and that's your anointing oil. When it starts to shaking and the beat, and you go out and pray for it and pour stuff on it and in it and all that stuff and go on about your business. So I'm headed out across the country. And I'm stopping up in Alton, Illinois. Anybody know where Alton, Illinois is at? He knows where Alton, Illinois is at. Who don't care where it's at? It don't, it don't matter. Well, it's outside of St. Louis. It's on the east side of the Mississippi River. And I was going to a convention there on the way to my meeting, and I was actually going to stay with a, a friend of mine that was there, a pastor that had met me and all. And they was going to do the, his church was going to do the praise and worship for this big convention. And it was uh, uh, a, what they call a trucker, Christian trucking convention. All these giant, you know, 18 wheelers and tractor trailers and all that kind of stuff. But any kind of truck, it was a, a Christian man that sponsored this. It had quite a lot of money. And he sponsored this. So I got in there in this meeting and, uh, of course, uh, when I was in there, then, then my friends had me a seat, you know, kind of down front and everything, because so, they was up on the platform, and, and and then they opened up with a song and everything, you know, and then they turned it over to the the man, you know, there was actually the, the the trucker that had sponsored all this. He had a trucking company, a big, large one, you know, had a lot of truck drivers work for him. And he was always trying to get him saved and everything. He got up, and uh, he's looking around and he's talking about it. And he, all of a sudden, he looks, and I'm right down here, you know, towards his right, like in this section, there was a bunch of sections, I'd say there's 800 to 1,000 people, might have been more, but I'm just guesstimating in that uh, convention. And he looked down over here, and he stopped. And he said, is that uh, Randy Greer here? And of course, the praise and worship team told him, yeah, that, that's him. He said, you the Randy Greer that, that uh, Brother Hagin called up and shared their testimony? At the meetings and all, I said, oh, yeah, yes, sir, I am. He said, well, folks, he said, I didn't know he was going to be here, but I want him to come up here and take about 10 or 15 minutes and share about what the Lord has done in his life. I'm telling this to say this, just hear the whole story. I got up there and I started spitting and sputtering. Back in those days, I could spit 10 rows. It was, it was like a baptismal service for everybody up front. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're wiping and everything. You know what I mean? But it was just, that's just the way it was. That anointing would only to preach. I would preach. Reverend Michael remembers those days. But anyway, I would preach and that was, that hit me. And I was preaching about how big God is and God can do anything. He's a great God. He done this and he done that and he done this. And of course, I finally come sputtering to a stop and went and sat down. The, you know, the audience is shouting and swinging from the chandeliers if they had any, you know. And I sat down and this same gentleman come back and said, now it's time to take up the offering. 
So the Mr. Preacher guy that has just been up there talking about how big God was, you know, all of a sudden I thought about how much money that I did not have. You know what I mean? Because I didn't have hardly any money. In fact, I had $42 in my pocket, had two 20s, and I had two $1 bills. Y'all remember that, don't you? Had two 20s and two $1 bills. Well, I'd been raised by a granny that come through what she called the Hoover days, the Great Depression. And so she knew how to squeeze a nickel, dime, or dollar. She worked at the cotton mill for 48 years where they made uh, towels, uh, sheets for beds, pillow cloths and pillowcases and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they made them down there in Columbus, Georgia at the Eagle and Phoenix Mill. Y'all remember that on the Chattahoochee. Now those things are gone across the border, but she worked in that cotton mill. And, and she worked hard and she wound up with money, but she wouldn't spend it, you know. You don't just throw your money away, you've got to manage it properly. But uh, anyway, she could squeeze a dollar. And she had taught us all how to squeeze a dollar. In fact, I'll tell you how good she could squeeze it. Now, you do this later, not right this minute. But if you'll get a $1 bill and you'll look uh, on one side of it, it'll have a picture of Washington on there. Isn't that right? And if you'll look very carefully at that picture, you'll notice that he's got a wig on his head. It's because my grandma got a hold of that dollar for you did and rubbed George's hair off and they had to put a wig on him. So he was a member of the wig party. Where's Pastor Tim at? My God, he could tell us all this stuff. But anyway, he was a member of the wig party. So the first thing I thought about is what I didn't have. But you know, I got to make a showing because I just got off the platform. And you know what? God will bless you where you're at. So I'm not talking about that, but I, I'm telling you how fear, fear hit me, because I'm wondering, what am I going to do? When I drove the van into the parking lot, I had a, about a quarter tank of fuel, and I knew for $20 in those days, less than $20, less than 20 I could fill up this van tank, which was pretty big, and I could go on to my destination, which was over in Kansas. I had to go all the way across Missouri, and just believe God to get back. So I reached to get my wallet, you know what I mean? And my wife is sitting beside me and she's looking, you know, wild-eyed. She don't want me to get too crazy, you know, now. <laughs> this is way back years ago. So I reached in there and I kind of hid around and I looked for George. He was hollering, let me out, let me out, you know. Because <laughs> I'd hung on to him. You know how he hollers, you know. And so I got him and crumpled up in my hand. Because can I tell on myself? I was kind of embarrassed. Because here I had just preached about how big God is, and I'm not walking at all. Listen, you don't have to be embarrassed. But also, fear gripped me. Because I began to have this grandiose idea of giving a lot more than a dollar, which I didn't have much, but giving a lot more to me than a dollar. But then fear gripped me. Oh, how you how you going to get to your next destination? What you going to do? You know, how you going to, where's your beanie weenies coming from? And you know, sardines and crackers and stuff. Where's all that coming from? You know, I'm thinking, oh, Lord. So I'm sitting there. So the gentleman that was the head of all this stuff, he called up another fellow. 
And this fella started giving his testimony. And the more he gave his testimony, the more I sunk down in my seat. <laughs> he was telling the story. The time that he was talking, now it's changed since then, but at the time that he was receiving the offering, he was the wealthiest man in Washington State. Now that changed after that. But in the, out there on the Pacific Ocean, Washington State, he was the wealthiest man. He wasn't saying it bragging, but this is the story he told. They was poor. They come up in the Hoover days too. The Great Depression, my granny called it the Hoover days, and you know, that was her idea. But anyway, she come up in the Great Depression. Didn't have food to eat and you know, shoes. They had Sunday shoes, but the way they wore them, it had holes in the bottom. They'd put cardboard in them, and they kept their feet from touching the ground. And then the <coughs> and they made clothes out of feed bags, flour sacks, you know, and things like that. My granny did too. My granny still had some of that stuff, you know. <clears throat> Just to show us, remind us, you know, how good we got it, you know. And so he started telling that story. And he said, to, <clears throat> they all went to church, you know, because, you know, they didn't have nothing but God. You know I mean? They're going hungry. Little kids, you know, there's about 10, 10 kids in his family, his mom and daddy, and they, they're working theirself, you know, trying to feed them 10 kids and don't have enough to eat, and they're doing without. And of course, he's a little six-year-old boy. But the preacher brought into the church uh, what they called an evangelist in those days to have what they called revival, extended revival. And about every night, that preacher would turn and preach on Malachi chapter 3. Talk about bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, maybe meet in my house and prove me now if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. God was sending him across the United States of America during the Great Depression telling people to trust in God. Give to God. Support His work. He's going to take care of you. So he said at six years old, he said, I made the decision when I heard that preacher. He said, I couldn't even read. He said, but when that preacher said what he did and how God didn't want me to go hungry and my, children, my brothers and sisters didn't want to go hungry and my mom and daddy not to go hungry, and I'd have clothes to wear and a shelter, nice shelter on my head that wasn't leaking. And clothes to put on the bed, you know, to sleep under. Sheets and pillowcases and all that. He said, I made a decree at six years old that I'm going to do exactly what the preacher said. And as soon as I got some money, I was going to tithe to the church. Six years old. So you can imagine, I'm already sinking. He's talking about going hungry, you know, wearing flower sacks for shirts. And me, you know, I could live through the famine. Just look. I, I, I'm about the only one that can claim the scripture at destruction and famine, I will laugh. <laughs> Some of you ain't going to make it far. You know, I'm telling you the truth about it. But anyway, I'm thinking, oh, I'm feeling lower down than a snake's bed in a wagon truck because all this fear had gripped me. What am I going to do? And he's talking about trusting God as a six-year-old kid. But here I am, you know, in fear. And I'm supposed to be a preacher. He said one day, not long after that, he was walking down the road, the old dirt road, and he looked down, and there was a penny on the ground. Oh, he couldn't believe that he found a penny. 
He reached down and grabbed that penny and picked it up and was thinking, he said, in that day, he could have took the penny and bought him and his brothers and sisters, all ten of them, candy at the store because it didn't cost much, you know. A penny. But then he remembered. The preacher said to bring the tithes and offerings into the church house, into the storehouse. They meet in God's house and that God would turn it around for us. So he said he had a little battle there in his heart at six years old, but he decided, I'm going to the preacher's house because if I don't get rid of this thing right now, I'm going to spend it before church time comes. <laughs> so he pity-pattered down there barefooted at the dusty road and dusted just to fly, and he run down there, got to the preacher's house, you know, the pastor's house, knocked on the door, and of course the, the, the pastor come to the door, and he said, preacher, he said, I want to, I want to give my tithes. He said, I, I found this penny here on the road and he said I want to give it to the church and I want to give it before I, I spend it or, or lose it or something and, and the pastor you know his heart was just going out to the little boy he said no son he said you don't have to do that he said take that penny and go up there at the store and buy you and your brothers and sisters some candy he said preacher he said I can't do that he said the revival man that you brought in here said if I would bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse there was meat in God's house he's going to take care of me he said, Preacher, I'm tired of going hungry. I'm tired of seeing my mom and daddy going hungry. I'm tired of seeing my brothers and sisters going hungry. Don't mean they missed every meal, but it was hard to get food back in those days. You ought to talk to my granny or some in here that may know about the Great Depression. You know, in the times. So the pastor took it, you know, reluctantly, but he took it. And of course, that little six-year-old boy telling that story now, he's a man, he's the wealthiest man in Washington State. Never graduated from high school, nothing, you know. But the wealthiest man in Washington State, he's standing there telling the story. And he said it wasn't long before them pennies turned into dimes. Them dimes turned into quarters. Them quarters turned into half a dollars. And then they turned into silver dollars. He said there's a lot of silver dollars back then, you know. Which we don't have as many today, but there are a lot of silver dollars. And then as he gave the testimony, he was the wealthiest man in Washington State. And he equated everything to trusting God with his finances. Here I am in fear about finances. And he's in faith. And while I'm sitting there with old George hollering, let me out, let me out. Because I got him crumpled up in my hand, you know. The Spirit of God just rose up in me and said, in whom do you trust? He said, how do you expect me to take you to the places I need to send you over the world. He said, if you don't learn to trust me. I said, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. He said, no, you don't. He said, you trust in that $41. Remember, I had 42. I got one out. He said, you trust in that $41 that you got left in your pocket. He said, that's what you trust in. Brother Hagin says it this way. I just stepped up to the lick log and admitted it. You're right. I was in fear that God wasn't big enough to take care of me. And I broke down there, and I said, okay, God, okay, okay. I reached back and got my wallet. And I opened it up. I had two 20s and one, one dollar bill left, you know. And uh, my wife seen me. <laughs> she kind of poked me. <clears throat> What are you doing? I said, honey, I, 
I said, we trust God. I said, I believe God's going to take care of us. She said, you know, God's taken care of me since I was a little bitty girl. Said I didn't have money to go to college and he, he made a way for me to go. And he done, she said, let's give it. Let's give it. I said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. I mean, my God. Let's don't go too far. Let's don't both get in faith at the same time. Because the way she was acting, she wanted to give it all. But I got a van out there. And I got to take care of her, you know. So, I mean with fear and trembling still, you know. I reached in and I got $21 and I kept a 20. Forgive me for doing so. But I kept a 20. That's all the faith I had. I got that $21 out and that made 22, a 20 and two ones. And I was proud of that offering. That was the best lamb I had. So I raised my hand now and offered them. My God! And I offered come, we, you know, fill the thing out and put her name on it and everything. And then the man said, pray over your own offering. We didn't pray. We got an intercession. There is a difference. Oh God, oh Lord, help us Jesus. Only way we knew to pray in that day, you know. So we sowed it, you know, and then the service finally came to an end and we're going out meeting people, you know, we knew who was going to stay that night. And I'm thinking about where am I going to get some fuel for this vehicle out there? And all of a sudden an usher came up to me because it had usher tag. And he said, you see that fellow across there? And, and, and it was a kind of a short fellow, but he had stood up in one of the seats. It was one of the metal chairs in a big convention. He stood up in the seat and he was saying, hey! Well, in the country, you just wave at everybody. So I said, hey! Hey! Hey, y'all! How you doing? And I kind of looked at him. I thought that was, a, you know, that man that had been up there talking. You know, I wasn't sure, but it kind of looked like him, you know. And I thought, well, what is this? And I just put the envelope in my pocket. I thought it might be somebody invite me to come preach or something. So I went out and got in the van, and we started going down the road. She said, well, where are you going to get? I said, well, they told me in there I could get fuel right down here. I'm going to stop and get some gas, you know. And I remember this envelope. I said, a man gave me this envelope in there, and I pulled it out, and I could see something bluish green through there, you know. I said, oh, my God. I whooped that van over on the side of the road. I turned them floodlights on inside and let there be light. My God, I want to see this. I turned them on. And I whipped this thing and I tore this envelope open because they licked it and sticked it and so I tore it open, you know. And there was a sticky post-it note on it. You know, them yellow looking things, you know, on top of, of this uh, uh, sum of money that was in there. And it said, while the offering was being received, well, I was going through a battle about what to sow. He said, I was going to give a substantial sum toward this meeting, and I did. He said, but the Lord told me to also give you this, and it was $500. I got happy, and I said, Lord, let me go back and give the other 20. I'll go back and give the other 20. I'll go back. You want to give another 20 then, I'll tell you. Because I realized he was El Shaddai. And ladies and gentlemen, I have not looked back since that day. I haven't looked back. I got out of fear. I got into faith. I'm not saying my faith hadn't been tried. I hadn't saying my faith hadn't been tested. But every hurdle that I've ever come up against, El Shaddai 
come with me and helped me hop over it and brought me to the place I needed to be in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our time. This is our day and this is our hour. We're not going to get in fear. We're not going to get in doubt. We're not going to get in unbelief. And we're certainly going to trust God. Father, thank you for the Holy Ghost.